What's going on, everyone? And welcome into Plizolt's podcast. And today we have a stack slate for you. We're going to be talking about MVP candidates. We're going to be talking about Plizolt's locks. We have a freezing cold take. And last but not least, we are going to continue our NBA Top 100 Players of All Times with players number 98 and 97. This podcast is proudly sponsored by Hungry Howie's Baton Rouge. Check out their website for takeout and delivery deals. They have a wonderful carryout deal right now. Get a large one-topping pizza for $7.99. Make sure to check them out, Hungry Howie's Baton Rouge. Now let's get started. We are going to talk about our MVP candidates for the NBA this year. So look, here are some of the criteria that have been set, not in stone, okay? These things are usually what happens, okay? So these are the measures that come around when we talk about MVPs. So over the last 15 MVPs, the average numbers are 28 points per game, 8 rebounds a game, 7 assists a game, and shooting around 50% from the field, okay? 12 out of the 15 are in the top 5 of usage rates, okay? So when we look at those numbers, we only have one player that meets those criteria. Right now, that's Luka Doncic, okay? Let's include one more factor, however. 10 out of the 15 MVPs have been the number one seed. And now 13 out of the 15 last MVPs have been a top three seed. The Mavericks are currently not in the playoffs. They're in the play-in. So that could play a big factor. So I went ahead and looked at all these statistics for this year and lowered the requirements to 26 points per game, six rebounds a game, and five assists per game. Okay, And these are the players that I found. We got Luka Doncic, of course. Giannis, Stephen Curry, Kevin Durant, John Morant, and LeBron James. I'm going to go ahead and cancel out Kevin Durant, John Morant, and LeBron James. Why? I think they're going to miss too many games. All three of these players have had significant injuries over the last couple of years that have knocked them out of significant playing time. I think missing that time is going to be the deciding factor in why they are not ultimately in the top three of the MVP race. So let's look at the other three candidates. And first up, we've got Stephen Curry. Okay, this His MVP case reminds me a lot of his second MVP that he won when the Warriors went 73-9. and Now, they're not going to have that good of a record, but they are going to be in contention for a top three seed most likely. And Curry, is he's carrying a team that is obviously aged, and the star and the young stars are just not developing. Okay? Clay is a shell of himself. James Wiseman is currently in the G League, and he's not doing well there. He was supposed to be one of the main contributors to come up from the group of young guys, and he is just not doing that. Jordan Poole is probably the best of the young players right now, but he's still extremely streaky. I mean, one night he could have 32, the next night he could have six. He's coming off the bench, and a lot of teams treat him differently when he has to come right behind Stephen Curry. Okay, his most reliable player right now on the Warriors is Andrew Wiggins. Okay, I know Andrew Wiggins is really good, and he played had a really good finals, but I mean, we're talking about a championship contender, and your next best player is a quote-unquote, like, draft letdown, okay? So that's my case for Stephen Curry. I think that he has a good chance at winning MVP, but I'll tell you what the Warriors have to start doing, winning games on the road. That's for sure. Next up, let's take a look at Luka Doncic's case, okay? He looks like 2007 LeBron James carrying this team. This team is not very good. 
the second and third best players are Spencer Dinwiddie and Christian Wood, okay? We're not talking about other all-stars on his team. Uh, I mean, he will probably end up making the play-in tournament, uh, but that, you know, if they have a bad road season, I could see them missing the playoffs altogether. That is his one really big thing. He's got to win a lot of these games, and he's going to have to win them by himself. Now, I could see this being a very much Russell Westbrook MVP case where he ends up maybe in like the sixth seed. And if he averages these numbers that he's averaging, 30 points, eight rebounds, eight assists, he could definitely have some MVP votes swing his way. Okay, This team, honestly, is perfectly built for just him. I mean, yes, it's not built for playoff or championship contention, but all these players that are around him, like Dinwiddie and Christian Wood, they are decent bench players and they shoot the three pretty well. Uh, it allows Luka to throw it out to the, the arc. It allows Luka to dish it out when he drives, but it also clears the paint whenever he needs to drive. So I do think that Luka's got a really strong MVP case, but we're going to get to my number one MVP case, and that's Giannis. Okay? There are just a few things that I want to include into why I think he's the MVP, at least so far through this season. Okay, He's the best player in the league. It's kind of hands down. He does it on the offensive end and the defensive end. The Bucks are the number two seed, so we've got one of the best, better teams in the league. Okay, And he's doing this without Chris Middleton. Chris Middleton has just now come back in the last couple of games. Before that, Giannis was doing it basically all by himself as the leader on the team, and the Bucks are still the second seed. Okay? Look, the storyline here is that he is on a revenge tour after the Bucks' disappointing playoff performance last season against the Celtics. Okay, If they had beaten the Celtics, most likely would have gone to the finals. So yeah, it's Giannis's revenge tour. And that's really what I think is probably going to be the most interesting storyline out of all of these. Now, we have seen Anthony Davis kind of come around. Maybe he can make some noise, but he's going to have to play a lot of games. And I really, really doubt that he's going to be able to play that many more games. He is just so injury prone. It's not even funny. So yeah, right now my MVP votes would go Steph at three, Luka at two, and Giannis at one. And that's my MVP award race right now. All right, let's get in to Pleasant Locks, okay? We are 24-9 and on the season. We went 2-1 and yesterday. We've got some bangers, absolute bangers today. we got four. We've got a quadruple play. Let's ride. First up, Bucks minus 5.5 versus the Kings. Bucks are 11-3 at home. They're winning by 12 points per game each time they win a game. They've won five of their last six games. The Kings have lost two of their last three road games. And they lost by 18 points and 9 points in their last two. Okay, Middleton is finally back. Giannis is still playing better than anybody else in the entire league. I trust that this team is really going to get the job done versus the Kings. I don't see this being a problem. Giannis matches up well against Sabonis. I think Drew Holiday locks up Darren Fox. And I think Middleton doesn't really have a good matchup against the Kings. So I think he could actually have a good comeback game. So yeah, Bucks minus 5.5. Let's move on. We're doing college basketball. College basketball has been absolutely disgustingly amazing for us this year. Got a lock right here. Arizona State, minus four and a half versus SMU. SMU, not that good of a basketball school. They're on a cold streak right now. They've lost three of their last four, including a loss to Jack State. Now, this is not Jack State, the football team. This is Jack State, the basketball team, who is currently one and eight. Their one win is against SMU, okay? They have no, SMU has no wins against Power Five or Group of Five teams. Arizona State is as hot as can be. They're on a six-game win streak. They have three good Power 5 wins, and they're beating non-Power 5 schools by 15 points per game. 
Now, I think this is going to be closer than a 15-point kind of blowout. It's definitely going to be more than four and a half. Let's get it. Let's buy it. Throw it at the bank. Four and a half for Arizona State over SMU. Lock it in. Next up, Purdue minus 21 versus Hofstra. I don't really like taking these big spreads, but look, this is the best team in basketball right now. Okay, Top 25 offense that's shooting lights out, a top 10 rebounding team, and Hofstra's only wins are against no-name schools. Not to mention, they've lost three out of their last five. To me, this is going to be a blowout game really quick. Purdue plays big physical basketball, and it's actually pretty fast-paced for how big they are. I think Purdue's going to win this game by 30 or 40. I don't trust Hofstra to be competitive whatsoever. So go ahead and hammer it. Purdue minus 21. Let's get it. Let's ride. Last but not least, Denver plus five versus Sacramento State. Fun fact, this is a really small school basketball game, but Denver is the best shooting team in the NCAA right now. And they're on a six-game win streak. I think this line is pretty big because Sacramento State has already beaten Denver, but that was seven games ago. Sacramento State has not looked good since then, and Denver is on fire. Okay, Yes, I get it. They lost. And you don't like playing these kind of tables. You don't like playing against these odds when it comes to that, but it's hard to beat a team twice. Okay, And, and Denver has gotten better. Okay, they're 3-0 on the road, and Sacramento State does not have a strong home court. Okay, They're not pulling in fans like, like a Power 5 team. I don't buy it. Denver plus 5. Book it. Now that's We're going 4 out of 4 tonight. I want you guys to know that. 4 for 4. We're, you should go ahead and call us Wendy's. Let's get it. Alright, next up, what we're going to talk about is kind of a controversial topic. So we're going to go ahead and say it. This is a pleasant, freezing cold take. Takes so icy cold that they're boiling hot. My take has to have a preface. The preface is, I cannot speak for the black community. I am just a very privileged white person. These are just my thoughts and opinions. I will try to give them as unbiased and as objective as possible. When taking into account all that's happened over the past week or so. But my freezing cold take is that Deion Sanders leaving Jackson State is so unbelievably bad for HBCUs. Okay, That's not really that cold of a take, but I'm going to get into the reasons why. I think this is ultimately a death sentence for any kind of hope that HBCUs will be competitive in even group of five play. Yes, Deion Sanders went 11-0 this year, and he won his conference championship game. That being said, he didn't do as much as people think that he did. There were a, There's a ton of coverage now that has gone for HBCUs, mainly Jackson State, because they are so dominant in their conference, in the SWAC. I don't think this coverage is going to last now. There's not going to be some kind of dominant force in HBCUs, in the SWAC. I don't know if ESPN's going to continue to cover it. And that's more a shot at ESPN than it is Deion Sanders. I don't think that it's Deion Sanders' sole responsibility to make sure that HBCUs get coverage and attention. However, him leaving for Colorado is a death sentence to me for that kind of that kind of hope for uh, competitiveness at HBCUs. I can't think of another sport. I can't think of another team that could do it like Deion Sanders was doing it for Jackson State football. The recruiting obviously is not there. 
Deion Sanders made a little bit of noise. But now this football program, all of their relevant players are going to transfer. They're not staying without him. Okay, His son, their starting quarterback, who is a star, he's leaving. Travis Hunter, who, is the, who was the number two, number one recruit in college football last year, he's leaving. They don't have any other really relevant players. They have a couple of three stars, and I'm pretty sure they've also entered the transfer portal. Okay, Jackson State, this team is probably going to collapse. And, you know, I don't predict that they're going to lose all their games next year, but they're definitely not going 11-0, and I can guarantee you that. Okay, The most relevant coach now that I can think of at HBCUs is Mo Williams, the basketball player, and he's a coach now at Jackson State. And Deion Sanders had a lot to do with that recruiting. And Jackson State, like I said earlier in my Plaisant Locks, they're 1-7, in seven, and I don't think they've had a nationally televised game this year. Okay, To me... Deion Sanders leaving is probably the worst thing that's happened for HBCUs in the past few years, but that's not including any kind of discriminatory practices that happen across the country. Obviously, those things would be worse. But like I said, Deion Sanders leaving, that is my freezing cold take. I think that he's going to do okay at Colorado. Uh, they don't really, it, Colorado is now in the Pac 12 that doesn't have any big name schools anymore. Oregon is probably its biggest name school. Uh, he could probably be competitive there. They've got a ton of transfers coming. I could He could make some noise, but I definitely think that he could have had a more long-lasting impact for HBCUs and especially Jackson State if he would have stayed. And that's my freezing cold take. Now let's get into the last part of our podcast, and that's the NBA Top 100 Players of All Time. First up, we've got number 98. That's Earl the Pearl Monroe. This guy was a four-time All-Star. He was the Rookie of the Year in 1967. He was an NBA champion with the New York Knicks. Okay, Earl the Pearl was one of the most electrifying players in the 1970s. I personally never got to see him play a game, of course, but I have seen his highlights, and I have seen him play with all-NBA point guard Walt Frazier, who was one of the best point guards of the 70s. Okay, The Frazier-Monroe combo is, I think, a top-10 backcourt of all time. They won the last championship for the Knicks, and they have left the fan base clamoring for more of that. I mean, you've got to be kidding me. The Knicks, that's their most memorable backcourt of all time. The 1970s. That's the last time that they won a championship. 1973. Earl the Pearl Monroe, he's got to be in the top 100 for that in, in and of itself. He won the last championship for the Knicks, for the mecca of basketball. That's why I've got him at number 98. Number 97, Grant Hill. Let's talk about his accolades. Seven-time All-Star, All-NBA First Team, Rookie of the Year. Grant Hill's career will go down as one of the biggest what-ifs in NBA history, in my opinion. In his first six seasons, Hill only missed 57 games, which, I mean, that's a decent amount, but that's really not that many considering you're playing 82 games a season. Over his next three seasons, seasons seven through nine, he missed 199 games. He missed more games and he played. It was due to a series of ankle injuries. And I, I got to be honest, this is probably one of the biggest what-ifs in NBA history. Through his first six years, he had over 9,000 points, over 3,400 rebounds, and over 2,700 assists. Only Oscar Robertson, Larry Bird, and LeBron James had more in their first six seasons. That's it. Just three players in NBA history. Like I said, he won, he was on the All-Star team Six years in a row. 
and he made an all-NBA first team in his last dominant season in his first six years. Like I said, though, after battling those ankle injuries in those next three years, he wasn't the same. He never was. He lacked the extra step that almost any player has after a series of ankle injuries like that. However, his career as a whole was pretty solid and memorable. Okay, He played on four different teams. Like He averaged 20 points per game, five rebounds a game, and four assists a game in his first six seasons. Okay, And later on, he became a big role model to Steve Nash, Dwight Howard, and CP3. In my opinion, that's a pretty damn solid good career, and that's why I've got Grant Hill in my top 100. And that's going to do it today for Plaisant's podcast. Stick around for tomorrow. We have another banger Plaisant lock slate, and we're going to get into some other freezing cold takes. So yeah, we'll see you guys tomorrow. Thanks so much for tuning in.